We'll begin our morning service by singing to God's praise in Psalm 40, which reminds us that quite often we are kept waiting, that God keeps us waiting, and then he puts us, verse 2, he puts us in a straight and clear way. So, I waited for the Lord my God, and patiently did bear length to me. He did incline my voice and cried to hear the first five verses of this psalm to God's glory. turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we seek to be heard. Father, we seek to hear your voice. 
it is amazing to us that we could come into your presence that you would be willing to hear us to hear our praise Father we bless you for the opportunity we've just had to remind ourselves and bless you for those days when you renewed us awakened us Father just thinking when I was meeting a humanist the other day and realising as he said that he couldn't have the faith we have Father we realise that you have given us this faith and our God we thank you today why did you open our eyes why should we be so special Father we bless you for what you have done we bless you for who you are we are so glad it is no tyrant that is in heaven but it is a father and that we are allowed encouraged told commanded to call you father for that's what you want to be known as and we come and bless you that you have lifted us from all the wasted lives of luxury and decadence and using your name as blasphemy and all the wasted part of a successful life father we thank you for redeeming us for bringing us back for bringing us to your house this afternoon to meet with you father we realize that every heart now here and on screen can be raised to you because of your son that he is our rock father we know you take great pleasure in us boasting about your son because you too boast about him and we want to say to you this afternoon that he is great that he is altogether lovely we have known no one like him that would invite us to come when we're weary and burdened and full of labour and worry anxiety sadness Father we thank you for inviting us as the psalmist reminds us to cast all our care upon you but Father we also thank you for inviting us to sing our songs to you as the psalmist did and we thank you for the new song you put in our hearts that we've learned a new language a language of praise to you Father we realise that many years as children we sang the psalms with indifference and we didn't know who we were singing to but today father we address these words to you our god we bless you we are touched by you father we would love to be able to touch you and to bring you pleasure by speaking well of your son for adoring him for trusting him for believing Father we know it brings you joy and our Lord we bless you for what you have done for us how you protected us Father how many times up and down that A9 you have protected us how many times from the snare and pestilence you have guided our feet away 
Father, you have brought us to these years and these days. We thank you for the huge amount of repair you've done to our bodies, to our minds. Father, we bless you as a healer. We thank you too, Lord, for those days when you restored our souls. Father, when we got cold and weary of walking with you. Father, we think that there's some here today, myself included, that just stopped going to your house, stopped inclining to your ways, stopped rejoicing, stopped singing a new song. And you brought us back, Father, that we are here today. We have chosen to come with the company of God's people to your house. Father, we bless you for caring for us and protecting us and keeping us. Our Lord, we pray for the people of North Keswick. Father, we pray that they would come into your fold. We don't need them in this house, but Father, in your house, that you would draw, you would attract you would work. Father, we pray you would send your Holy Spirit. We know that there are other activities, dangerous activities going on today on zip lines from the bridge. But Father, we pray that people would take an act of faith and come to a knowledge of yourself. Father, we long that your gospel would spread not just here, but right across into Inverness. Father, we do pray for a spreading of your gospel. Father, we make a special plea this Lord's Day Father we know of many people we know some personally who have either tried to jump or have jumped off the bridge this past week and weeks Father we do ask that you would intervene in their lives you know how destroyed and destructive they have been and Father, we pray that you would redeem them and bring them back. Father, we pray for a spread of your word throughout our nation and the nations of Europe. Father, we realize that we are on the edge of France and Spain and Portugal. And they have not known your mercy the way the psalmist knew it. Our God, as a company of your people, we ask that you would do this. Father, we dare to call you Father, and we ask that you would be a saviour in these places. Father, we pray this, morning, this afternoon that you would shut us in with yourself, that you would quieten our minds, that you would give us peace, that you would speak. Father, I pray that I won't leave this building today without the sense of a touch from you in my shoulder, in my heart, in my mind. And we pray this for each one of us that we would know the touch of your Holy Spirit for surely he is here Father we pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Amen we sing again this time in Psalm 34 in the Sing Psalms version which is in my book at page 40 Yes, sorry children, I didn't have the creativity to think of a children's address, so apologies. And there is more children here today than I was told there would be. That's my complaint. It's lovely to see the little ones. 
Psalm 34, uh, sing Psalms version. At all times I will bless the Lord, I'll praise him with my voice. Because I glory in the Lord, let troubled souls rejoice. Together let us praise the Lord, exalt his name with me. Isn't that a lovely psalm to be singing together as a company of God's people? You know, we have this opportunity today, as you know, that you know, in my prayer and in your praise, you go directly through the mediator that is Christ. And it is fantastic to think that in a, a minute's time, he is going to be hearing your praises. And the Father is going to be so pleased. So let's rise and sing these verses to his glory. John chapter 15 
Okay, which is always good when you're preaching because I haven't read it in the ESV. And one of the problems is that when you're preaching and reading it, just as you're reading it, I think maybe because you concentrate so much, you find lots and lots of new things in it just as you're reading it. So I'm looking forward to reading these next 17 verses. John 15. Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give it to you these things i command you so that you will love one another amen and this is god's word to us let's uh, sing again this time in psalm 86 it's on my page 340 again from the beginning Psalm 86, O Lord, do thou bow down thine ear, and hear me graciously, because I sore afflicted am, and am in poverty. Because I am holy, let my soul by thee preserved be. Let's sing these verses to God's praise and to the Lord.
obviously going to be looking at John chapter 15 so if you do have a Bible we can look at some of the verses in that and I thought we could just look at three points that come quite easily out of this chapter and that it's basically the father we we see that the father asks the son to abide in his love and Jesus tells the disciples that the father has asked me to abide in his love and I do abide in his love and then the son says to his disciples now I want you to abide in my love and then he says abide, remain practice love between each other and that's there right throughout a number of the chapters uh, John 14 it's there very clearly there as well and of course one thing the backdrop to this is that, that God is a God who relates biggest mystery maybe in my life is, is that I don't understand I can't fathom the fact that the Father has given up the privacy of heaven to create the likes of you and me and to have us in his company but that's what he's like he is always related he is always related as Father, Son and Holy Spirit so relating to others is what God is about and when Moses you'll know that verse I've jotted it down in my notes that when Moses says well show me what you're like God says the Lord the Lord compassionate and gracious a gracious God slow to anger I spill over abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining keeping going maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness that's what that's what I'm like you know when we, we think in Ephesians uh, you know, we're, chapter 1 isn't it where you know he lavished his love upon us you know it just it's just it just pours out you know the eyes of the Lord spread throughout the earth looking the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner who repents and God loves to love it's just the way he is and you know when you when you look at what does God look for what does God look for in you what does God look for in your church miracles numbers my first request my first commandment is these other things are important but I want your love don't miss out That's I've placed it I've put it in a script I've said the thing I want most is your love with every element your soul, your strength I want, I want your mind I want you to be intelligent I want your energy but I want it all focused on loving me 
And so that's, that's what he is like. He looks for a relationship. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And that, that's just what he's like. And so it's with that in mind that Packer says, if you want to test how much someone knows God, see how much they make of the fatherhood of God. You know, you know yourself, if you're talking to someone and they just can't get round to thinking of God as a father... They don't know God, as you know yourself if you're ever talking to someone and trying to find out if they're in the Lord. You wait and watch and prod and poke until they say, He. Or if you ever with them in prayer, until they can say the word, as the psalmist does, You. You know that they've got no connection with God. And so when you are talking with what looks like a new believer and he, she suddenly says, well, he is done. There's a person. It's not a principle. It's not a certificate. It's not a badge, a logo. It's a person. It's he. I know him. And that's, you know, that's what God wants. I want your love this afternoon. Is what he says. So the son says, the first point, the son says, I abide in his love. And we'll look, you know, so I am the, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And and just going through some of the scriptures in these passages, John 15 verse 9, let's see what it, as the father Again, the use of the word Father. And he's talking about remaining. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. John 15.10 If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. And you can almost see the smile. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I remain in God's love. I remain in the Father's love because I keep his commandments. All, and John 17:10, when it comes to that prayer, there's that beautiful verse. All I have is yours, he says to the Father. All I have is yours. And all you have is mine. It is just quite amazing. And you know, no one knows the Father except the Son. And that's why it's lovely to meditate on this relationship the Son has with the Father. And you, you'll know it, as you know yourself, if you're ever preaching, you never tell a story that speaks well of yourself. It's okay to do a story that makes you appear like an idiot. That, you get away with that. That's okay, but you must never. But if you've got a story and you're the best character and you, you, you want to sort of hide yourself, either change the gender or you say it he, you know, and you obscure it. But, you know, it, it's, it's lovely. And, and Jesus says, let me tell you a story. See, there was a vineyard and etc., etc. 
And last of all, he sent the son whom he loves. And you and I would say, I know who that is. It's him. But Jesus, I know the Father loves me. And when I put myself into a story, I put it in with the title, I, I'm the one the Father loves. And, uh, and so it is. John, John's Gospel mentions, I went through uh, 109 times, it mentions the word Father. Father, Father is a focus. And John 13:3, he knew his time was about to leave. Well, I'm about to leave and I'm going to the Father. John 14:7, if you knew me, you would know my Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. John 14:16, I will ask the Father. John 15:8, which we read, is to my Father's glory. John 16:10, I am going to the Father. Uh, John 16. 15, I, all that belongs to the Father is mine. John 16:27. the Father himself you loves you because you have loved me. But it's the prayer, the prayer in John 17, Father, the hour has come. You know, you can see the agony, you can see the great, great drops of sweat. And in the middle of that, there's one stabilizing element between Father and Son, and it's Father. Glorify me in your presence. Holy Father, protect them. All that, they, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Righteous Father, righteous Father, you do what is right, is what he's saying. And of course, we know that uh, in the agony in Gethsemane, Father... You know, if you are willing, take this cup with a loud voice, he said. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when Mary came up, don't touch me. I am returning to my father and your father. And of course we know that two times when, you know, as you probably know, that when he came, when he was born... And, and you sort of see all these angels almost like they're, they're looking through the roof here and they, they, they collapse. It said, you know, they, a great, all of a sudden there was a great host of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth. And it's just like that. There was two times when the Father is looking on. And I don't know about you, but uh, maybe it's as you get older, you end up saying things that you didn't think anybody else was hearing. But the Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And you can see Jesus saying, I abide in that love. I'm sticking there. There's no chance because my joy is full. And so as the son says, this is what I do, he says, now I want you to abide in my love. So that's the second point. The son tells us to abide in his love. And if I turn back to John 15 verses 9 to 11, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And it's this verse that I want us to remember. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in, that, in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And of course, this is the main word, agape, is here. And of course, you know yourself, uh, not here, but you you listen to sermons online, you read books, you read commentaries. And of course, we all know that agape is unconditional love. And if you squeeze the word as they've done, you squeeze the word agape, and basically it comes down to God loves anything and everything. It's unconditional love. Doesn't matter. But brothers, sisters, John 15.10, with the word agape, is totally and utterly conditional love. If, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I, agape, have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Utterly conditional. And of course, what it's talking about here, this is, agape is about an ethical love. An ethical, moral love. And this here is not talking about what we as evangelicals are great on. It's not talking about the love that brings us through that door from being sinners, unlovely, hopeless, careless, ignorant, ill, morally, ethically lost, and brings us into the family. Here he's talking about If you want to abide in the family, in the filial love of God, then you've got to keep his commandments. I had to. I have to. You walk out the door, which you can't do. But if you want to experience the joy... If you want to bring the Father pleasure, don't go playing games. Don't step outside the family. If you keep my commands, you will abide, remain in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commandments and remain in his love. You can't be in the light here and in the darkness on Monday morning. This is the love, as they call it, the love of complacency and delight. This is what brings the Father pleasure. These are the parameters, the Father says, Jesus says. These are the parameters I have set. If you're to experience joy, if I'm to experience joy, you abide. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you walk out of the family, then... You will not be abiding in my love. I'll bring you back. Don't worry about that. I'll trash heaven and earth to get you back. I will restore your soul. I will not let you go. But let me tell you, you are not abiding in my love. I will search for you until I find you. But I'm telling you, Jesus says to his disciples, remain, abide. And that means there's parameters, the rules. 
and so that's really what he's what he's talking about the here you know he's talking here about I stay sensitive to what the father wants I stay very sensitive I'm aware how do you do it? well I am in his word I know what he likes and I stay within that I keep my father's commandments and abide in his love look at John fifteen fourteen again you are my friends if you do what I command you and so that's the situation and it's a wonderful truth the fact that our joy can be full as we know we walk in his commands and stay close And so thirdly, the Son commands us to love. You know, John thirteen thirty four and 35 is the command. So, so the first point was the Son abides in the Father's love. Second one is the Son asks you, commands you, remain in my love. There are conditions to be, have the enjoyment of the family and it, it's a, a requirement and then the third one John 13, 34, 35 which we all know a new commandment I give unto you I'll give you a new commandment you love one another a, that, uh, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you that you also are to love one another but this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for the other and, and John I put down some verses here John the Apostle who was listening to this conversation he said in 1 John 3 dear friends if, if our hearts do not condemn us we have confidence before God and receive for, from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him and this is his command this is great this is absolutely great because you always want to get somebody like John to focus your mind on what are what does it really mean to abide what what are these commands and this is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us so you can picture John I was sitting there I was there that night and I heard him say upper room wasn't it John 13 I heard him say we are to love one another and uh, so the test the test of your church the test of my church the test of my life you know when you see Paul just recently been studying 1 Thessalonians and it, it picks up and Paul repeatedly picks up on faith on hope and on love those are the three you know you you seem to see that if, if he came in I'm an auditor that's my job and if he came to audit me or my church it would be faith faith hmm how's your prayer meeting is what he would ask me he would ask my church how's your prayer meeting a lot of people believe in prayer these days is your church, is my church full of believing people? If they are, if, if it is, then how do they express that? Where do they express that? It has to be the prayer meeting. Either at home or here. 
faith. What about hope? What do you talk about? The thing that unites us is we're going to heaven. He saved us. We're going home. And what's the ingredient? What's the thing I pick up? Love for each other. That's the test. So, yeah, love to see these seats filled. Love to see your strategy on the wall, PowerPoint. Love to see your singing. Don't really matter. How is your love? Paul says. Let's have a chat. How is your love? Not just for each other, but for the community, for your neighbour. That's and, and Jesus is saying, my command, not my request, my command is that you love one another. And we'll we'll look up about it, you know. But but that's the test. That's the badge. You know, whatever brand. Oh, I don't have a brand in my suit. But <laughs> but what's the brand? What's your badge? What's your logo? The test of your church is do you love me do you love me more than these tell me and that's you know that's the test and Jesus what's fascinating is none of the disciples ask Jesus what do you mean by love and we'll look at that later they know exactly what it is it's not talk it's action it's not a feeling, it's a moral and ethical care for one another. And so, you know, there, there's two issues. You know, we'll look at John and we'll look at Paul. They both make a big issue of love. John was sitting there that night. Paul was to learn it later. But evaluating churches on, on their love. And it's what Jesus. And there's two parts to it. A, that it's a moral, ethical behaviour. This love is a moral, ethical behaviour. That's why he can say, you're to abide in my love. And the second thing that's interesting is they challenge it. They challenge. Okay, you told me that you loved me. I heard you say it. I often think if I was to retitle the, sec- the first letter of John, I would call it, uh-huh, uh-huh. See, David, I, I really, I, I'm great, I'm always there, I'm such a caring person. And John says, uh-huh, uh-huh. Not so sure, not so sure. And it's just, so it's a moral and ethical quality, but it has to be challenged, is what they, what they both do. So it's, it's a moral, ethical quality. Let's look at that. When I, when I left, I left the Venice Royal Academy, we just, two weeks ago, had our 50th, the anniversary of our 50th year of leaving in Venice Royal Academy. 50 years ago, we had. And there was only about seven of us left, I think, out of a class of 200, so not sure what's happening. But uh, after I left the academy, I went way down to train as a stockbroker in London. 
And one thing they showed me there was that there was a back office, which I was in, and there was a front office. The back offices where brokers traded with agreed deals with jobbers in those days. And we agreed deals, and then we'd come up to the office, remember ticker tape, and you'd get the cricket scores, because it was in London, and uh, you would get everything, and uh, you would get the back office, and we'd be sorting out what was happening. And it was scruffy, it was sweaty, it was real. And if a deal, thousands and thousands of deals happening every day, buying and selling of shares. But then the front office. Hello, good morning, how are you today? You want your certificate? No problem, madam. It will be with you in a minute. Please take a seat. And there was the front office and the back office. And what we're talking about is this love that we're talking about is the back office. It's what I am in private. The back office, brothers, sisters, is what I do with my sin. Do I sweep it under the carpet? What do I do with my bad behaviour? The back office is the love. And that's why the disciples didn't need to ask. They knew exactly what Jesus had been talking about. And so, it, but it... In the back office, everything was tested. These agreements that we made thousands of deals a day between brokers and jobbers, we had to check every day. And by 3.30 in the afternoon, you went down to the clearinghouse knowing everything was sorted. But the back office is rather, you know, it wasn't in McShane, what a man is on his knees before God. That and that only a man is. You know, it's how you react is what they're talking about. John says, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And of course, John 14, whoever has my commandments and keeps them. You could know, see the tone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is that loves me. I know these guys over there who turn back and walk no more with me. But whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And of course, that's what it's talking about. It's the back office. It's who I am. It's not what I am in a pulpit. It's who I am in the dark hours of the night. It's what I am when someone annoys me. It's when I, I am what I am when I'm tempted. It's what you are. So it's an ethical, moral condition. And of course it needs to be tested. Agape love, a, a quote, you know, it's to love in the social or moral sense, end of quotes. And so Paul challenges this. So it needs to be tested. Love must be sincere, Romans 12, 9. Paul questions it. What is love? Well, Paul says, I'm not going to tell you what love is. But let me tell you how you spot its absence. And you spot its absence when there's envy or boasting or pride 
rudeness. If there's rudeness, there's no love. This is one John. Uh, this is one Corinthians thirteen. Or self-seeking, talking about David. Yeah. There's no love. That that moral, that back office condition, is absent. Is easily angered. That's an evidence. So you know, testing love is pretty tough. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Doesn't delight in evil. <laughs> when something goes wrong or something evil happens. So I, I'll tell you, Paul says. You know, if you think about how many weddings this has been used at, but Paul is really telling us. I'll tell you when you can spot it's love's absence. And so that's the back office. And John asks the same sort of questions about our love. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not obey what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But anyone who obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Brothers, sisters, not Bain, North Keswick, how do you... How does the Lord know that you love? Front office, handshake, smile, how are you? Or back office, what are you in the quietness of your own home? What are you in relation to each other? Do you get away with saying rude things to your spouse? children, parents and think nothing of it then you don't know this ethical moral behaviour. Isn't it Amy Carmichael isn't it her that says a glass of sweet water can never spill one drop of bitterness no matter how much it is shaken if that water is sweet back office then that's love is what Jesus is, is, is saying here and so it is to be tested John again says if we claim to fellowship with him but yet walk in the darkness we lie and do not live out the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another the scriptures are complete what's wrong with your fellowship He's, the Lord says to David well because you're walking in the darkness Oh no, I thought it was uh, her behaviour, his behaviour. No, no, no. It's because you, David, are walking in darkness. Really? Yeah. It's me. It's tested. So it's a condition. It's it's a moral condition. And of course, it, it needs to be tested. And there's various things that you can do to test it. And I just put down three examples. And I realise the watch is moving faster than the mouth. Eh? And eh, just three examples of what might be happening in back office. What might be happening to me. And one thing is, how, how do I know David might be walking in the darkness? Well, I've just put down uh, three examples that I can think of. Well... I have taken, I don't really know him or her, but I think, I think, and I'll just tell you, one to one, 
I don't really think they're a real believer. Or, I don't think they put as much in the plate as they should. Or, I don't really think those two get on. Gossip. Saying something that's not true about other people. That's darkness. And brother, sister, if you do that, have done that, stop it, sort it. Though you will probably never sort it, it is one of the things. The other thing is, a second one would be where you or I have said something horrible to somebody else five weeks ago, five months ago, five years ago, twenty years ago, and I have never corrected that. So the person sitting here, five years ago I said, I can't trust you. And I think I was wrong. But if I've never gone back with an arm or a mouth, that statement stands. I know someone now who after many years has come to his senses and is thoroughly repentant and has said sorry to numerous other people. Brothers, sisters, some of these people are dead. He has lost the opportunity to say sorry. My brothers, sisters, if any of you, if me, has said something to him or her and I've not gone back and said sorry, do it this afternoon. Because without that, you have no ability to stand and say, the back office in me doesn't take much. The back office in me is not in the light. It's in the, in the darkness. A third one. And I've had to do this many times, especially when I worked in university and you could choose what committees you worked on. But if I went into a committee or any group and I found mockery when God says, do not sit in the seat of scoffers, then if you find it comfortable to mock other people, other believers... then that's not a place to be. These are our three negative examples. And of course, when we come to look at it, if you think of your church, and you think of the number of people you have pastored, if you think of the number of people you have cared for, if you think of the number of people you've prayed for at your prayer meeting and you've prayed people into being healed if you think of the time and attention you've given to little dolphins or whatever it's called to care for mothers and children if you think of the number of times you've served tea if you think of the number of times you've worried about someone who's not here if you think of the number of times you've said sorry that's the Lord's love in you 
And that's why you're here this afternoon. And so, you are doing what the Lord is requesting. And you're abiding in his love as you do these things. And if you think on the many, many years you have given to caring, to coming, to going, to visiting, how many of you phoned people during COVID? I caught COVID back at the beginning of June. I wouldn't want to catch COVID again, but I'll tell you one thing that was really good. Lots of people phoned me up. How are you doing? And they were church people. And of course, that is the mark of the church. The mark of your church is that you do love one another. And that is a great thing. And that's what marks us out as being different. And may that be the badge. I don't have a logo, but maybe your badge is that you care. And Jesus says, if you love one another, you will be keeping my commands. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. And so, brothers, sisters, challenged, but let's be encouraged too. Amen. Let's uh, sing again. I realise I'm in deep trouble because it's a minute past one. A, uh, and we were going to sing in Psalm 15. And it's talking about a, this idea that, and so much of the Psalms are about moral and ethical behaviour. And you'll see verse after verse of this is, is reiterating that. Lord, who may stay within your tent, your sacred dwelling place, and who upon your holy live? holy hill, sorry, may live before your face. Let's rise and sing these verses to God's glory.
the last verse of the second epistle of Paul to the Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.